you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Right. Welcome back, everyone. This is Brandon Elliott with Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Super, super excited for today. Our guests, you know, uh, I'm just extremely grateful that, you know, you're actually taking the time to, to be a part about a part of this. Uh, Mr. Christopher Gill. How you been, brother? Hey, good to see you all. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. So, you know, you're, you're based out of uh, San Antonio, Texas. Yeah. Antonio, Texas. Yep. You started off as a realtor and then you, you started transitioning into investor, fix flip, got yourself on a TV show. Working on it, working on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving a little bit more detail of your background, your history, who you are. Yep. So, uh, yeah, got, got my real estate license, kind of got into real estate from, from film work and, and loved film and loved doing film, but realized that it was a, a service-based business and there's so many things that we may enjoy doing as a specific task, but if, if there's not really a scaling option, you're going to be in that task for forever. And so you either have to decide that you really, really love that and it doesn't really matter if you do that for the rest of your life or you have to you know, create a side hustle and do something else that's going to give you that time flexibility and that freedom that, you know, a job, a nine to five working for someone else doesn't have. So I loved film and working with people and clients. It was great. But I realized if I want to do anything else, that may not be the route to get me there. And just kind of sat down and very objectively looked at, you know, hey, here's where I'm at. I was 20, 21, 22 at the time and and didn't have a, a ton of money. And and just wanted to find something that would potentially put me there. And, you know, more self-made millionaires have been made in real estate than anything else. And I think over 60% of the Forbes 400 list of billionaires um, have a large portion, if not the majority of their net worth invested in real estate. And I just thought those were pretty good stats to follow and not being a millionaire and wanting to work toward that. I, it just, it just made sense and got my real estate license really just to learn the mechanics of real estate and, you know, what's a contract? What's earnest money? What's an option period? Where are good areas to invest? How, how do you do that? Do you want to do rental or, or flip? And I just, I, I didn't really have family in the business and, and really, you know, largely self-taught in real estate um, and, and read a lot of books, but got my real estate license and did that for about a year and a half. And then um, was buying bottle of fourplex and fixed up one of the units and, and got that stabilized. And probably two months after that, I bought my first rehab property and, um, and pretty much from then on transitioned away from working with other people from the realtor capacity and just kind of investing full time. And um, it's been good. It's been really good. Okay, nice. So how many transactions have you been a part of now? Um, are oh, you, man. Are you, are you, uh, you sell uh, your deals also at the end? Um, I, I did. And now that I've built out a little bit more of a team, I, I have a realtor. I'm actually about to be a licensed broker next month, which is fun. And I may, um, rethinking some of that got a couple of realtors that do want to work for me and looking at building out some more coaching stuff and starting a wholesaling division like business to this year, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, but Kurt did start selling it myself, which is a great, obviously you do save that money. 
but you have to at some point decide what is your time worth and I could run the business, manage the projects and do enough marketing to really make it worthwhile. So, you know, try to fit, you need to, you need to get to a place where you can figure out, does this business make sense in the real world with a full team? Because if you have limited yourself with any one of those pieces, you you have now a scaling issue. And, yes. and I wanted to, you know, keep pushing past those scaling boundaries. So currently do have a realtor who sells my stuff and it's been really good. So, okay, nice. But I mean, yeah, probably done. We're probably a clo- approaching, uh, probably 70 or so deals in the last couple of years. Okay. So nice. Flip, yeah. yeah. Congratulations on, you know, all your progress and success. You know, it, it, it's really awesome watching from a distance to see, you know, uh, the, the progress that you're getting, it's huge. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. It's fun. Of course. So let's talk about, uh, maybe your first deal. What did that look like? Yeah. So first deal was, I, I kind of was like, okay, I, I need something that I can spend less time either realtoring for other people, or I was a marketing consultant for a real estate startup company and was helping them with some of their film and, and video work. And so Got to have money to eat. Cash flow is an important thing. We have bills to pay. So wanted to start with the rental part of it to build that monthly cash flow to either be able to completely scale myself out of doing work for other people or scaling that down. Um, and so did some hunting, but wanted to combine that with something that I feel like there would be some long-term appreciation with. So wanted to figure out something that had good cash flow, but that also had an additional upside. I don't really think investing purely for appreciation is very wise because there's a lot of variables that can you know affect that so make sure the deal works based off cash flow first of all but if you do have the additional upside you can take a really good deal to an incredible deal and that's kind of what this became um it was it was a fourplex it was on the market um and and my broker at the time he kind of knew the situation with it and so i ended up buying it for less than 50 percent of what it was listed for which is Pretty insane. Doesn't happen like that very often, but it'd been on the market a while. It was kind of in a weird area that hadn't really jumped off of the growth that downtown San Antonio has seen over the last couple of years. Um, and was really unique. It was actually half an acre that backed up to the river. We have a river walk you've probably heard of, and this is about a mile and a half south of where the main tourist area is. It's an actual river that keeps on going. And this property backs up to the river down there, and the city was putting millions of dollars into creating hiking trails and walking trails during that whole area. So I knew that, okay, if we can make the cash flow work, you know, half an acre, big piece of property, potentially redevelop it myself. You know, it, it's large enough that you could redevelop, you could put homes, condos, apartments, something like that. There's an additional, you know, you have an exit strategy, you have an additional higher and best use, yeah. maybe just a single fourplex on half an acre, you can just put a lot more units on there. Um, and yeah, owned it. So one of the rehabs, one of the units was not rehabbed at the time. So me had zero construction background, zero construction knowledge, and grabbed some people that knew a little about construction and made them come down and work with me from after got done working in real touring. And so got that rented and had that stabilized. It was kept on about twenty four hundred dollars a month and bought it for sixty eight grand. So really good numbers there. Yeah. Um, and ended up selling it about. Two two and a half years later, and and made over a hundred thousand dollars in appreciation. So, um, really good deal, great, great cash flow while I had it, and and great exit on the end. So yeah, that's huge. You know, you mentioned a couple of things when uh, when you mentioned about your your broker with um, you know having that connection and mm-hmm. that lead, I guess on yep. on that um, on that deal. 
it really comes down to your circle of influence, you know, the people that you surround yourself with and, you know, your network is your net worth. So, you know, all those, if you didn't know your broker or, you know, not necessarily connected with him at the time, then you probably wouldn't have. Yeah, totally. And, and, and he had, you know, he understood a lot more about investment real estate than I did, especially at that time. And so, you know, it it may have been something that I would have passed over, you know, not necessarily sure why I would have passed over, but there's a high likelihood that I would have, you know, not been like, this is a good deal, been able to see into the depth of the deal. I had some, you know, basic idea of how I was going to evaluate it. But again, this is first deal. This is me doing real estate in it for a year. So just really figuring out, getting my feet wet and didn't, again, didn't have a background in it. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge. And then, you know, just jumping ahead a little bit that building your team is one of the most critical aspects of having a scalable real estate business. And you know, I started really doing everything myself because I knew I was like, okay, if I'm licensed, I can save the commissions on the side and I can do that. So that's, you know, a pretty normal first thing that people will think about when they're trying to save money as they start investing. But beginning to build out that team as quickly as possible and having members of the team, you know, having an account, if you don't have a finance, I know anything about accounting and that's hurt me later on down the road because it was not an emphasis from day one of my business. I was just like, no, get deals. Let's do it. Which is you know, a good side to that. Yeah. Keep the momentum flowing, but there's some really, really important foundational elements that if you have in place. My business would be considerably bigger than it is now. If I had had, you know, more knowledge and experience at that time and focused on building out the team from, you know, as soon as, as soon as day one as possible and start to line up the different people and then figuring out what your core competency is as the team leader, as the owner of the business, what are you going to do? And, you know, and if you have a part of your business that you love specifically doing a task, again, do it, you know, find enjoyment. It's not all about the dollar, but if you are working to scale, you need to realize that your job as the owner is you're a, you're a system creator. You're a machine creator. And if you think about that, that everything you're doing in your business needs to be creating a scalable machine that you can take yourself out of, plug someone else in, train them to do that. It, it's, it's a, it's a small shift, but it's an absolute pivotal game changing shift when you start to think in terms of systems, Yeah, yeah. never making the same mistake twice and, and being really, really ruthless about that. Yeah, it, that's, I mean, it, it's extremely important and you really need to treat it as a business because it is a business, you know, you can't just jump in. Um, I mean, it is good to take action and to get the ball moving, but it, like you said, you, you probably would have been a little bit further off um, if you would have, you know, had the fundamentals, I guess, in, in yep. place from the start. But before, I do want to talk a little bit more about team building because that is very crucial to, to anyone's success and leveraging your way out like you were saying. Um, but you did kind of just a few moments ago, you, you spoke about, um, you know, getting a deal for all appreciation um, at, in comparison to like cash flow stuff like that. So that, that kind of hits heart, you know, hits home for me because um, when I was looking here in San Diego for the first two years before I finally pulled the trigger in Ohio, I, all the deals that I, I was looking at, it really came down to, you know, the, the play of appreciation. Yep. You know, I, I was, I was planning on renting out some of the rooms and I probably would have just broke even or maybe got rent for free, which is good. Yep. You know, house hacking or whatever anybody calls yep. it out there. But, yep. um, but 
you know, you really, I think it's very, very important to have that fine line, that balance of, you know, strong cash flow and appreciation. You know, my, in Ohio, for me, uh, particularly, I have, I have great cash flow, but appreciation is kind of out of the question. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's good that, you know, you brought that up. So well, you know, if you have the cash flow aspect, if you have that taken care of, again, now you've bought yourself the time freedom. Yeah. And so, you know, that's this foundational thing that you have to have, you know, and, and making the jump, you know, that I did very quickly to pretty much relying on my rehabs and my flips. Mm. Things. They're, they're bigger chunks of money, but you have to be extremely disciplined as those profits come in to allocate it for, you know, not only, you know, growing your business and buying the next deal and scaling up, but you've got, you know, you've got to pay yourself. You've got to pay your team. You've got to pay, you know, your monthly soft business costs that are a very real thing. You have to calculate. You've got to think about that. And, and if you don't, it's, there's going to be issues really quick. So, I mean, I think starting from a point of cash flow and saying, Hey, we are making consistent money X, Y, Z. I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm doing more wholesaling now and launching that and spending time growing that is because they're quicker deals and you can get in and out of something quicker and it's a less of a, of a time outlay and a financial outlay. And if, again, if you build that foundation of cash flow, build, I mean, just again, and a little bit goes a long way. I mean, three grand a month, four grand a month, it goes a huge way of just saying, Hey, I know I have this taken care of. I know I can cover X, Y, Z bills business wise personally. So um, I, I would really, I think starting with that as Goal number one, you know, whatever that number is for you, but start with that and then move on to the, okay, what's the bigger play here? Okay. Yeah. I like that. So, um, so that, I mean, that's awesome. Your first deal, you, you hit a home run right from the start. That's great. <laughs> um, let's well, talk- great I wish they were all that good. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, team building. You know, how, this is something that I really need to start focusing on in the next year or so um, to really start building up. As I get more properties, I really need to start building a system that um, that I can start leveraging my way out of the things that I'm not good at and yes. things I could care less about and yes. focus on things that I enjoy and that you know I take pride in because that's where I'll you know excel at. Totally. So how do you do that? So I, I think you got to first decide, you know, and get really ruthless about what are you actually good at, you know, and, and, and realize that we may want to be good at a lot of things, but we're probably only good at a couple things. Yeah. And, and then, and really embracing the fact that if this is your business, you have one job and that one job really is a system builder. So, you know, take every aspect of your business. I used a uh, software called MindMeister. Um, and I'm sure we can get a link to that somewhere in this. But basically, it's a just frame. You can do it on a piece of paper. It's just an easier way. And and you're able to start. So I start with my business in the middle, and I start with all the different pieces of my business around that. So I have obviously a construction side. I have a finance side. I have an accounting side. I have a uh, acquisitions, and I have a sales side. And under each of those larger categories, there's a million little tasks that make that category ro- operate and run smoothly. And so you starting, you know, your main cog of your business and then, you know, let's just say construction. So under construction, what do I have? Well, I've got all the individual trades that actually do the work. And then I have, you know, permits. I've got meetings with the city. I've got making sure that, you know, 
Um, I'm getting warranties and invoices from everybody that everyone has signed a contract before they do any work. And then I go, okay, so if I need to make sure they have a contract, I need to make sure I have the scope of work detailed. I have it sent to them before, you know, several, seven, at least three days, two, three days before they're, they're scheduled to start work. So they have time to review it and sign it. So you get as specific as the little step of saying, okay, send them the contract and, and, and figure out how you're going to do that at scale. Right, yeah. figure out what's your software is. If you're going to use Excel documents, if you're going to use a you know construction management tool, you figure out that step and then reverse engineer from that step all the way back to the you. And you are the hub, the main core of your business. Yeah. And by doing that with everything, every I mean, and every part of your business, this can be done for. And and if you have these individual steps, number one, it'll give you a really complete outline of what your business actually is. Yeah. And and you probably, you know, you know all these steps as the business owner. But again, like, I mean, it's, I don't know, probably well over 100 steps in my business for all these different people. I can't, I couldn't list them all to you right now. But when I write them down over a several-day process, like, I can detail that out in, in extreme detail. Yes. And, and then you just say, okay, I mean, and, and who, who's assigned to this? I mean, this is my construction manager, and he's assigned with these construction. But then I have some admin tasks that are inside construction. So I assign the admin task inside construction to my virtual assistant or my in-person assistant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then my chief operating officer, he's in charge of all the operational stuff, but I want to make sure that he's not having to focus on a specific construction-related task because he's, again, trying to think big picture about all the operations of the business. Yes. So the construction guy doesn't need to be writing checks to the subs. Yes. It's, it, 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 it seems natural. You're out there paying for their work. No, 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 no. It's a business. Businesses have accounting departments. I have accounting department. So my sub has to get the work approved, and then my construction manager sends the approval to my accountant, and the check is either mailed, ACH, they can pick it up in my accountant's office. So, you know, you're, you're building out these processes that now work and allow each person. So now my construction manager is happier because he doesn't have to track down all these people. He's yeah. simply concentrating on construction because I want him concentrating on that because his job is quality control, making sure stuff happens on time and on budget. Yeah. My accountant doesn't need to know about any of that. It's not her problem. She doesn't need to know if something's been done or not. She just needs to know if work's been approved and so draw can be issued. Yeah. So every aspect of your business, oh, get a call here, set that down. Um, every aspect of your business, work out the processes. And so then once you have the processes detailed, then you can hire very specifically for that process. Mm-hmm. And, and you can, you know, obviously find someone that has overarching qualities that work, they're honest, diligent, et cetera, but then say, Hey, you know, do you know this part of my business? Yeah. And, and I made several hires early on with people, you know, one of my first pain points was finding someone to manage my construction. I, I didn't have an expert in construction. I came to construction school. And frankly, I don't care about construction. It's part of my business. It's extremely important. It's pivotal to my success. But I don't care. I don't need to get good at it. Yeah. And, I don't need, and I don't need to understand it, frankly. I just need to understand it to a process that I can manage it. Okay. And so instead of hiring someone, that had a long construction resume and experience with them, I hired people that had done some property management or something else. So they weren't really a good fit for that job. And I wasn't able to articulate the job to them clearly because I hadn't written out that process. Okay. So by writing out the process, now I know what that job actually is in a very detailed sense. Yeah. And I can detail that to everyone who I'm trying to hire. So there's no confusion on you know, the front end now when he's like, Oh, I didn't know that was part of my job description. That's not true. Your job description is extremely detailed. 
And you can, again, you can do this with every tiny operation in your business. And the more you break that out, um, it's, it's been huge. I mean, it's abs it was absolutely a pivotal shift in my business last year that I'm just now starting to see a lot of these benefits from. And, you know, our, our production, I mean, again, we've, there's been a ramp up every year, but our production this year, I expect it to be dramatically higher than it ever has been before. And, 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 you know, real estate gets so overwhelming. I mean, and there's so many pieces. I mean, I own eight, 10 properties right now. And the, the, you can't keep it all in your head. You have to put it on paper and you have to detail this stuff out or stuff gets forgotten. It gets overlooked and it's, it's no one's fault. It's not your fault. You're not a bad business owner. You just haven't spent the time to create these fundamental systems that are key to success. Okay. Damn, Chris, you're a drop of bombs left and right everywhere. I love it. That is so good. <laughs> You know, um, uh, just a question that's coming off my mind right now. You know, how many different tools do you have to really make everything work like like uh, like clockwork, pretty much? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's definitely evolved. You know, there's a million tools out there. I've tried to consolidate as much as possible. Um, you know, again, when I started using Excel, doc yeah, go ahead. As far as like um, like virtual assistant or. Uh, assistant in person, uh, accountants, like. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So who, what's well, who? Are my team members. Yeah, team members. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've my it's it's myself, and you know. So again, what's my job now? I'm I'm purely high level. So I currently handle HR in my business. So I'm hiring, doing the the preliminary, the majority of the hiring and firing. Um, I've had in person assistants at different times. I currently have a virtual assistant that I'm loving, and I'm going to be scaling that up. You can hire people for nothing. Yeah. Great work ethic. Do you, mind, do you mind me asking where? Is that like Philippines or India? Uh, he's in the Philippines. Philippines? Okay. He's, cool. he's in the Philippines. Yep. And real estate related? Like they have a real estate background? They understand that aspect? So he uniquely did, which saved me a little bit of time in the training. But now, again, going back to the process, I have a process yeah, for hiring virtual assistants. So I have, so like, and, and he actually had worked for a real estate company before, which saved me a lot of time. So he already knew a lot of the basics of real estate. But like, I've got a CMA packet. I want to teach my, all my VAs have to know how to do a CMA so they can help me evaluate properties, at least on a high level. And again, I've got that all written out. I've got all the five, 10 emails I send to VAs during the hiring process. I've got all written out. So I'm not thinking about that. If, if he you know, falls off, you know, doesn't work out, whatever leaves, I can rehire much more quickly because I've already thought about the entire hiring process. Um, yeah, I got a VA, my, my business partner is kind of chief operating officer, just making sure all the mechanics are working in, in a high level view. Okay. Uh, construction, management is, construction manager has got over 20 years of, cons, of experience in the construction work for a national builder, built 41 homes last year. Yeah. So um, should be really good. I've got, you know, accountant who has assistants. I've got an architect. I've got a realtor and his team. I've got a, you know, I've got a video guy and I'm, I've got a film video guy and an editor. And those two are a little bit different right now. Um, I've got someone that does all my renderings and illustrations to show what the projects are going to look like when they're done. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's I don't know, 10, 10 people or so. You, you stage your homes as well, correct? We do, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, as far as, you know, um, building up this team or, or even just your projects in general, like what kind of learning curves can you, can you throw out there um, to really help some of the new listeners um, um, I mean, get, I mean, I think finding people that can, I mean, I think you will save yourself learning curves that you may not necessarily need to go down. Like I don't necessarily need to understand 
the, the accounting in detail of my business, right? That's a huge learning curve. I, I do have a working knowledge of QuickBooks is what I use for my books, but like, and, and I, and I understand this stuff, but I haven't gotten really deep into, you know, a lot of these processes because I'm trying to find someone. And if I can't hire someone that's able to work pretty autonomously, pretty, you know, uh, freely autonomously of me, that's a bad hire. I, I, if I need to micromanage them, that's, that's a waste of my time. And so I would, you know, again, you need to learn enough to, to be dangerous as they say, but you know, as quickly as possible, you want to find someone who as an expert as possible to, to take over that, that piece of your business. Um, so again, you can stick to the higher level learning curve, the $10,000 an hour responsibilities, like sitting down and creating these processes and then say, okay, this process and system is running smoothly. You know, the flipping and construction side of the business running smoothly. So now we're adding new construction. So now we're adding wholesaling. And then it's your job to figure out, okay, how do you integrate a whole new side of your business? I mean, you're opening a whole new division of your company. If you want to think about it like that, you know, that's something that big companies take years to do. So that, that's a very high level learning curve that, you know, that's something you are the only person who can know when it's time to scale up, it's time to grow and to then, you know, work out the specifics of how to do that. So, um, you know, you got, you got to know, you got to know your business. You got to know the software, but I, I don't think you, if, if you can't hire and the person you're hiring, you know, again, after you've created that job description is able to work pretty autonomously of you and yes. can handle that responsibility. It's not a good hire. Not a good fit. Yeah. Okay. So are, are you doing the process of, you know, uh, hire slow, uh, fire fast? No, de I mean, definitely. And, and I think, um, you know, doing the interviews. I mean, the first couple people I hired, you know, you're like, you know, let's get references and, you know, call the references. And it may seem, and maybe it's just me, but like, I was just like, yeah, yeah, send me references. I'm sure they're good, you know, but, but, and, and really drill down. I mean, get that job description really put together and, and don't feel bad. I mean, you're hiring the person. So like, it's their job to perform that job description. I, you know, I, I still have a problem with like feeling like I'm not working and someone else is working, but you know, Hey, that, that's their job. That's their job description. I'm providing an avenue of employment for them. So, you know, you do get to be, you know, you make sure that they're performing and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And the more detailed and specific you can get with that, the more, you know, th there's no gray, there's no ambiguity. You know, I, I, we start with the probationary time period now. You know, you've got eight to 12 weeks, whatever it is. Here's your probationary pay. Here's the responsibilities. And here are the metrics that you're going to be judged off of. Okay. You know? and, if, and if these metrics aren't being hit, we're, we're going to have a problem real fast. And so, I mean, and, and I set it up in stages now. So it's not like you're hired. It's like, no, no, you're, you're in a probationary. Like, you're on trial here. And if this doesn't work, if you don't like working for me, that's fine. But if I don't like working for you, and again, clearly defining those metrics, especially for that first time period, is, is really, really important. And, and the more you do that, and the, and the other thing I'm doing is, is you know, paying people what the market and whatever your market commands You've got to get to where your business can do that because if, if you're constantly asking people for favors, uh, you know, doing, you know, and I would definitely have a bonus structure built in there because this is you know, a type of sales and their deadlines being hit and properties being sold, or, you know, wholesale deals being sent to investors, whatever it is, you know, there, there's definitely a commission structure, bonus structure that should be built in there. But, you know, I now pay my people what the market commands. So, yeah no one's doing me any favors by working for me. Yeah. And, and that makes the rehiring process again, that much easier 
because you're like, hey, listen, I mean, you know, you're getting you're getting what the market commands, you know, then some, hopefully. And so you can say, listen, I mean, so no one's doing any favors. You can hire, you can rehire much more quickly, and you're going to have a much broader pool of people interested in your position. So. Okay. I like that. Um, as far as, like, contracting work has gone, I, I, I've seen a lot of your videos that, um, you know, the work turns out, like, amazing. So I'm sure that's a process, though, and um, – you know, is, is there any learning curves with, within that aspect or any problem, like something that was unforeseen that just like smack you in the face? Like, wow, that's a big expense. Oh, yeah, all the time. And yeah. I'm actually just coming. There should be a video out in the next week or so. So check my YouTube or website. Okay. It's basically all about hiring and working with contractors because that's absolutely a fundamental part of this business that you yeah. have to get good at. I mean, again, if I had – better contractors and better processes from day one, my company, but again, it'd be way larger than it is today. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely a process. Um, I, I would say, I mean, you know, it's, it's real, it's real fundamental things. And, and with flipping, obviously th there's an absolute, there's a direct ratio between how much you put into the house, how much you have to put in the house to make it workable, sellable at market rate. But then there's your profit and every dollar you put into the house is a very direct drop in the profit that you make. So, I mean, that, that's an important distinction. You, you've got to work through that and figure out how you're going to work with that. Um, but, you know, there's also the quality time period of it, and there's also the part of you don't want to have to babysit these people. And, again, if they can't work autonomously, probably not a good hire. So, you know, I, I didn't clearly define my scope of work when I first started. It was much more of a general sense of, you know, hey, let's do this to the house. Yeah. I now have an architect. We draw full plans for the entire house, electrical, plumbing, floor plan and all the measurements were exact you know again the first couple of houses I just took my measuring tape and kind of measured and it was sort of kind of right and it, you know they were probably all three to six inches off and you know especially if you're doing any sort of comprehensive large-scale framing which a lot of my projects are just because that's where I, I make the most and I have spent a lot of time developing a construction crew that's good and they can do really big projects so and that's just a niche that I've kind of you know formed Again, if it's a less comprehensive scope of work, you may not need to get all that done. But if you're moving walls, if you're redoing a kitchen, you know, getting a cabinet schedule, getting the kitchen drawn out. So there's no ambiguity here because I've run into problems again and again and again by, by having stuff that wasn't super laid out. Yeah. And then they get into it and then you want to change something or you didn't calculate for this little corner being a little bit off. And, and the more that you can do all that on the front end. So, I mean, my process now is, we get a home under contract. I get my architect and construction manager out there as quickly as possible after the home's under contract within, you know, 48 hours if possible. How much Walk does that cost you? Go ahead. How much does that cost you typically to, to make it that detailed? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it all depends on what your plans are. I'd say between $500 dollars a project yeah. is, is a general range. Yeah. You know, my, you know, my architect is two hours a month for me. So he's got a nice base pay off of my company, which is great. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but a hundred percent worth it again, especially, I mean, my rehabs are, you know, 60 to a hundred thousand dollars pretty consistently. So it's a very, you know, one to one and a half percent of the overall cost of the project. And in a lot of construction projects, you know, the architect's fees are going to be five to 15%. So it's a very, you know, it's a very reasonable, and, you know, find someone that can work with it. And again, you don't need the craziest architect. You find an architecture student for all I care. I mean, but find someone that understands the programs is, is detailed. They're getting their stuff done. I've got a process for my architect. All my homes have this, 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 and this. Do not deliver a plan to me unless you've gone through this checklist and made sure all these things are taken care of. Good. So, 
again, he's got a process he's following. I'm, I'm creating these systems everywhere. So, you know, I, I would tell him the same thing. If he's going to call me and, hey, do you like this? Well, did you look through these things? So, you know, put yourself on paper and, and then you don't have to have that conversation. But I try and get them out there as soon as possible. We talk a general scope of work. He goes to work. He gets me a rough plans. Then I have a big team meeting with architect, construction manager, realtor, business partner. My sister's also my interior designer. And, and that's when we make all the decisions for the house. So after that meeting, you know, within a day or two, I want to have everything locked. And that's paint colors, lighting selections, you know, plumbing selections. If we're doing shiplap on the wall, what accents are we doing? All the placement of everything. And as much of that is put on the plans as possible. So, again, you know, I, I did plenty of homes where I go to Home Depot and buy the lighting two days before the lighting was needed. Ridiculous, not scalable, and then you've now massively limited yourself in the selection that your little local home improvement store. There's a ton of great places to get lighting out there, and usually it's not even going to be more to be made and actually save money, but you've got to spend the time on the front end. You've got to plan for it. Yeah. Um, so... You know, by the time swingers start, hammers start swinging, demo begins, like there, there's no confusion. The entire project is laid out. So, you know, think about the new construction, production, home con building world. They've thought through this, yeah. and a lot of those processes can be very well duplicated in the flipping rehab world, and um, it's, it's a good thing. And, I mean, so, you know, removing the ambiguity, there's no confusion. The plans are on site. You know, find contractors that can read plans. If you give them a plan, they don't know how to read it. Again, don't hire them. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've gradually scaled up my what I pay people as well. So, you know, normally the cheapest option is the cheapest option for reasons. Usually not a good hire. And, you know, again, you're going to limit your scale here. Um, another thing I know I've done a couple times that is probably a big no-no is when you find a contract you like, there's a tendency, especially, you know, in the rehabbing world, I mean, the rehabbing contractors are your bottom of the barrel contractors because if they're good, they'd be in a union or they'd be, you know, working on commercial jobs or in new construction. Remodeling is difficult. It's hard. It's complicated. You're fixing problems before you even get to redo stuff. So there's some intricacies to this that make it a less desirable type of construction. Know that going in. It's, it's the reality of the situation. Yeah. And, and so you've got to work with contractors that are number one in that world. So there's a reason they're in that world. And it doesn't mean you can't find good people. I've got, you know, some great people that I want to be working with, you know, for years now. And I'm finally, you know, you know, I've got people that are working for me for years already, but I mean, there's still definitely turnover, but I want the turnover to get less and less and less. But one thing I've done that's, you know, screwed myself is finding something that does good at one part of the business. And then, like, Hey, can you frame as well? Can you, do you know somebody that can do this? And their eyes are going to get big and they're going to see dollar signs and they're going to say, yes, yes, yes. Try and do it all. And I, I, I don't think hardly ever found that to work. So finding good individual traits for each of the individual parts of your business is, I would say, a very, very good rule of thumb 90% of the time. I'm not saying you can't yeah. find a general contractor or a general contracting company that can do the whole project. I've just found it's much more difficult and you're going to pay more. So if you are, when you are worried about those margins, I would say pay a good individual sub more and yeah. eliminate the general contractor you know, again, I have mine on staff right now. He's on salary. So he handled all the construction for the entire business. But, you know, you will pay a premium to general contractors. And, again, if your scope of work is anything like mine, which is pretty freaking big, yeah. it, it's, it's hard for them to keep up. And then they're going to get behind. And they may have been a great contractor to that one thing, but you're going to get ticked off. 
they're going to get overwhelmed. They're going to walk up the job and you're going to fire them. So I would say isolating your people to hires that are good at their one thing is, is a really good rule of thumb. Yeah, that, that's great advice. I really love, you know, how, how you're making all these systems. Uh, I, you should definitely, if you don't have a course coming out, you should definitely uh, prepare for that because it, it sounds definitely has some value behind it. But it's funny that you mentioned it. It's like, I've actually had it very detailed on a, on a scope of work. And, um, and for some reason I go to check out the property and the, and it like shows right in there. Like this goes like the, the microwave goes above the, the stove. And for some reason they just decided not to put it in there. And the microwave is like in the living room, just on the floor. They're yep. like, yeah, we decided not to like, <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I really like how you get more detailed with it, though, and um, and everybody knows. I mean, with the architect and and just everybody knows what to do, and that's yep. it's very easy for somebody. Like, hey, just refer to this. That's yep. perfect. Yep, measurements. I mean, plug placement. I had issues with people freaking putting my vent hood for my range about my range. They put the plug in the wrong place. I yeah. said, got my architect. Hey, draw a schedule. But where the dang plug goes every time, I'm sick of moving these things, having to pitch the freaking she rocket. It was just annoying. Yeah. So you know, we know plugs are always three feet down and six inches off center, and no, no more issues. And again, if it comes up, you know, you are going to deal with it. But the more you have that in place, you say, guys, listen, you know, one more shot or no more shots. And if you mess up again, it's on the schedule. You've got to refer back to that I'm doing everything I can to make you successful so then you've also isolated where the problem is yeah right? so if you don't have that extreme detail there and a project goes off budget over budget over time whatever it is easy there's a ton of variables you know yourself included as to why this happened you know oh man I didn't call CP, you know, the, the electric company early enough to get the power turned on Get that in a process so, you know, now it's not a million little things that screw up the project. Now you have some very specific isolated incidents that you can pinpoint. Then you can say, okay, what went wrong here and how can I make this better next time so you don't have that problem again? So, there is, you know, not only should the project run more smoothly on the front end, but you should save yourself and you should be able to learn from your mistakes better by, by being more detailed. Mm, it's so good, man. All right. I'm just blown away right now. Just, I just want to soak it all in. <laughs> Do you mind me asking, how old are you? You're, you're uh, 20, turn 26 in October. Hell yeah, brother. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm just about to turn 28. So, uh, you know, and you're just, you're far off. <laughs> so I'm definitely, you're definitely somebody that I look up to. I think, I think this is awesome. Um, cool, man. So what kind of projects do you have in, in the works right now? Uh, so, um, you know, we're, we're averaging shooting to average two rehabs a month okay. um, so between 20 and 24 this year, hopefully probably hopefully a same number of, of new construction projects. And those are going to be in the form of kind of infill neighborhoods. So you know, a four to 10 home little development on a quarter half acre piece of property. So high density, either condos or, you know, smaller, you know, developments, maybe three story, that kind of thing. I, there's, there's a lot, there's a huge need for that in my market. Um, and, and it's a shorter, timely project. I know people, you know, rag on new construction a little bit because it's, you know, can be a very, very long process. You can find a small piece of property, you know, you're templating again, your designs there, you're doing the same thing, same similar types of things. You know, I can be in and out of those in less than 12 months. So 
the market doesn't have a ton of time to totally go whack. And my actual construction time of that's only, you know, three to four months of that. You know, there's the soft development, there's the prepping, there's the you know, rezoning, repotting, whatever it is. But actually, once we're on construction and, you know, if you've got a good realtor, you know, hopefully you're pre-selling some of your products so you have a good sense of where the market's at, what your prices are, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, and your, so your construction time is limited to really three to four months, which is really not that much longer than a rehab. I mean, we're, I'm in rehabs, you know, 10 to 12 weeks anyway, because we're pretty comprehensive. So, yeah. Um, so that, we've got some wholesaling, we're launching really leveraging VAs with the wholesaling, which is really, really exciting. Okay. Um, I own a commercial building in downtown that we're doing some work on. Um, real estate, doing a ton of research, it's totally a tangent, but real estate and blockchain, which is the underlying technology of Bitcoin, yeah. spend some time studying it, is absolutely going to change the way we conduct real estate. Yeah. Not because of what Bitcoin is, but the blockchain technology underlying real estate underlying allowing these cryptocurrencies to work is fascinating. It's one of the coolest things I've learned about in quite a long time. So doing a ton of research on that. Um, and yeah, I mean, really 20 is going to be optimizing the systems, getting better at this. And, and you start to see, you know, some of these you know, scale points where you're like, man, you know, I, I'm really close to, you know, a million bucks a year, $2 million a year, whatever your numbers are. And, and then you can say, wow, we can start to just, you know, optimize every part of this business, make sure you've got all your little people in place and, and build from there. So um, hopefully a, a very productive but stable growth 2018 down here in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, nice. Do you have any, um, I mean, do you have like a number in mind of uh, how many properties you want to you wanna tackle or... You know, I mean, we're, we're hoping, I mean, we're hoping, you know, 30 to 40 doors total this okay. year combined cool. with the new construction, the rehabbing plus, plus whatever we wholesale, which, you know, hopefully at least four or five deals a month yeah. once, we, once we work up to that. So it'd be a, it'd be a good year. Be busy. Okay, cool. Nice. Well, that's super exciting, brother. Um, is, is there any like final words that, you know, you would want to encourage or, or give out to any new listeners? You know, I, I would say the that moment that you sign your con, you sign that first contract, you drop off that first earnest money, you put down the option period, you go look at the property, you get your home inspector out there, you know, whatever it is. I mean, that is so, so, so pivotal and key. And I never say, you know, just do a deal to do a deal, but you know, and your your first deal should totally make you money. If it doesn't, you know, don't do the deal. But like, find that point. Draw that line in the sand. There's real estate everywhere. You know, Brandon's doing it and from other states, which is incredible and forcing it if you get better your system. It's something I haven't, you know, tried to tackle. But I mean, it, that's such a key, key moment in, in every area of life, but absolutely in real estate because everything goes from theory to reality. You're doing it. You're seeing how your team works. Your problems may be totally different than mine simply because of the team I had or didn't have in place. Yeah. Maybe you have an accounting background. Maybe you have a construction background. So there's a lot of variables, but you will quickly see, you know, what your pain points are. And, and if you're thinking about it from the start of optimization, of scale, not too, not, you know, and, and I think it's a little bit of a, hang on just one second, let me turn that off. Yeah. But, but it just, it, it all changes from, you know, reality to theory and from theory to reality. And, and I see people that, are, you know, attend the local real estate investing meetup 
and, and they've been studying for years, years and years and years and years and years, and, and they're no closer to their goals, they're no closer to, to anything they want to do with real estate, and that's a shame, and it, and it doesn't need to be that way. You know, I mean, I, I buy a home in three minutes to an hour now. I mean, I look at a home and I go home and I wrap a contract and I send them a $5,000 check. You know, I don't even think about it. I mean, literally, my pulse doesn't change at all. Yeah. And that's not because I'm like some freaky good investor, but I've just done it a lot of times. Uh-huh. And, and I have confidence in the systems. I've I have confidence that I know these areas. And I have confidence that my realtor, you know, is sending me good deals. And, and that's, again, that's totally, totally, totally attainable. And, you know, I decided to make the shift to doing it full time, not something you need to do. And even less something you need to do if you get really good at the systems, because then, you know, you've either scaled yourself out of it. So you're spending more time, you know, doing your other job, your other business, whatever. Or, you know, for me now, that just gives me the breathing time to start a wholesaling side, to understand blockchain technology and real estate. And maybe I'm going to have one of the first companies you know, utilizing blockchain and real estate. And that's like the Amazon of the internet world. I mean, it's, it's crazy, the opportunity. So, I mean, that just gives me the freedom to not having to work any one of these little systems I can, I can zoom back. I can take a, a higher level view, you know, yeah. and I wake up earlier than I ever have in my career right now, but, but it's because, and I, and I work as hard, if not harder, but it's, it's on stuff that, you know, makes me happy. And I'm starting to fulfill some of these goals that I had when I wanted to start doing real estate. And so it's, you've got to pull the trigger. You've got to push past. It's going to be scary. It's going to be, you know, Email Brandon. I do coaching calls with people. We'll talk through it. I'll help you talk through the deal. But, you know, get your butt off and go buy a deal. I mean, it, it changes everything. And you will see that it's not as scary. It's not as hard. And, you know, okay, you lose money. It's the quicker you lost money again, you get to move on, you get to do it again. And you will get better. You know, real estate's such an attainable way of investing, such an attainable, you know, not easy, but easy. This is not rocket science. Anyone can do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's do a deal, do a deal, do a deal, do a deal. Whatever you need to happen, you know, find someone in your local area, partner with them, give them 50, 60% of the profits, whatever it takes, get through past that first deal. And then if you don't do it again, you at least have a real benchmark, not just I didn't do it. You have a reason why you decided not to do real estate. No harm, no foul. Move on, do something else. But at least hunt it. And you can look at yourself in the face in the mirror and, and say you tried to do it. And then you made a decision, not fear, kept you from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really comes down. You got to take action. And action is something that, unfortunately, there's a lot of fear in people, um, either from not being educated properly or, or whatever it might be. The, the what if, you know, this or this or this happens um, that holds people back. But you got to get over that and, and really just take the action to be able yep. to figure out what's going to happen. Yep. Uh, so I love how you put it. Also, really quick, I kind of want to just go back um, and, and if, if you wouldn't mind explaining, you know, how you actually come up with your, your offer price. You said that, you know, within 30 minutes of uh, hearing about a deal, you know, you can submit an offer really quick. You know, so for any, any newbie out there that doesn't know how to run the numbers, you could just give like a quick like overview uh, process of what you do. Yeah. So, I mean, when I'm actually writing up the offer, like I've always, I've always visited the house and at this point I haven't turned over that, but you know, I've got a process for that. So, I mean, part of 
definitely this year is I, I want to have a buyer who's buying my homes for me, who's got my process and who's, who's doing that for me. I think you know, again, I'm, I'm willing to take, even if they may not pay exactly what I wanted for the deal within a 10%, 15% margin of error, I can work with that. I can work with that because it's going to allow me to do more scale. Yep. So, you know, I mean, you just, you know, it takes knowing your local market. And it's, I mean, it's a very objective thing. You just figure out what your, you know, what your number is, you know, what's, what's the sale price? What do you think the value of this property is going to be? That's easy to judge. Just take a, you know, half mile circle around where your property is. What's sold there in the last three months. That tells you what the market value is currently, you know, with a couple other areas. If there's, you know, a highway in the middle of the half mile circle or something odd, but you know, so you've, now you've got your value. That's basically usually based off a of per square foot basis. And there's two parts of that. There's, you know, the top of the market square foot price and there's the overall price. So, you know, you can sell a smaller home for a higher square footage price, but you're not pushing that top of the market value. And I've, and I've dealt with both of those at different times. So, I mean, those are the two things you're kind of keeping in mind. You know, looking at the square footage, is the square footage, again, does that fall within what's common? You know, I'm not trying to reinvent any wheels here with my real estate investing. I'm like, this is not where I'm doing my crazy risky investing or trying to do something. I, I'm, I'm, I wanna, I'm, I'm doing a standard, I'm just creating. It's, you know, I do the same sort of thing, I do three twos all day long, 90% of my homes, three bedroom, two bath. You know, there's in the older downtown areas that are between 1,500 and 2,000 square feet. I mean, it's, it's standard. Yeah. Get, make it boring, get it to a point where it's boring to you, then you know you're doing a good job with your business. And, and then just, you know, figure out, you know, again, keep those really good records, have stuff written down. You, you'll start to know real quickly how much stuff costs. If you don't know, a million GCs, converters will come out there. They'll give you, the, give you a back of the napkin, you know, estimate about what it's going to be. Make sure you calculate soft costs, financing costs, insurance, utilities, realtor fees. Those are huge. I mean, that's easily 10 to 20% of the deal cost without really too much trouble. And they are, they're going to be expensive, especially when you're starting out, you're going to pay more for your money. You don't have the track record, et cetera, et cetera. You're not going to be having, your realtors aren't going to be cutting you good deals because you're not going to have volume to sell them. Um, you know, keep in mind the soft costs. It's so terrible. I see people, and I've done it before, like, oh man, you know, 50,000 perches, 20,000 reindeer, it's worth 100,000, I'll make 30 grand. Well, that 30 grand is going to become 10 or 15 real freaking fast when you start calculating some of the other costs in there. So make sure, you know, your architect's costs, 750 bucks, staging, 1,000 bucks. I mean, there's some, there's some costs in there. you got to calculate them when you're working in this, you know, your estimate. And, you know, so just add all those, uh, work back and, you know, that's, you know, figure out what you want your profit margin to be. You know, within a level of tolerance, so if something goes over budget, because over time you pay more for your money, you hold the home longer, you know, you don't sell it for what you're going to think you're selling it for, you know, work it back, um, you know, but usually if you can buy homes 50% on the after repair value dollar, you know, you'll, you'll spend a portion of it there, you know, 20 cents, you know, another 20 cents is the rehab, you know, then you've got 30 cents or so and take a little bit out for the soft cost, then you got your profit. So, um it's, it's, it's not that complicated. I mean, I think the, the, the biggest variable is figure out what your construction costs are. And that's very, you know, area specific yeah. around the country. Um, but, you know, yeah, it, it's pretty standard. And then I don't, you know, I don't get hung up on the specifics of, Oh, what about this? What about this? I mean, that's what I base my offer off of. And, you know, if I need to, if I'm really concerned about something, then I'll work in a short option period, you know, to get a couple trades out there if I need to. But the majority of my offers, they don't have an option period where, you know, I've got earnest money on the line that I'll lose if I, you know, don't perform on the contract, so. Yeah. Yeah, and something that I do want to stress out to to newbies out there or anybody that is getting started, um, to definitely 
be conservative, but at the same time, um, over, overestimate the time that it's going to take you on your projects because I hear it too many times over and over that everybody, even when they're, you know, when they're on it, you know, a lot of projects run over. So you should always just overestimate, you know, the, the holding costs and have also a gap of uh, some miscellaneous costs. Yep. You know, at first, start off with a little bit higher because there, there's always going to be something that comes up and okay. it's going to surprise you and, and bite you in the butt if, um, if you know, if, if you don't account for it up front. Yep, totally. Yeah. Happens all the time. Part of the business. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's definitely manageable. Cool. Well, um, how can everybody reach you? Uh, probably East Place is just my website, chrisfgill.com. And um, Chris F. Gill is my handle on pretty much all socials for YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. That's that's where I'm at. And, um, yeah, I've got a ton of videos on YouTube. That's something that I was able to carry that over into real estate, which has been super fun and led to some really cool opportunities. And, um, you know, definitely if there's a, a, a specific topic or something you want me to look at, send me an email or a message and, and I'd love to, you know, explore it a little bit deeper and, you know, definitely making content that people are enjoying and benefiting from and um, trying to keep it really real and, you know, just kind of dealing with problems as they come up to me and as I'm working through stuff. And um, so, yeah, chrisfgill.com. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've watched uh, plenty of your videos and you do have some tremendous content out there. You're constantly just giving, giving, giving for the value. So um, I think the listeners would definitely enjoy uh, following, you know, all your videos and the content that you're constantly putting out because it will be beneficial. Um, bottom line. Oh yeah. So I definitely like recommend that. Um, cool. How can we, or any of the listeners um, give back to you and actually help you, you know, help you out in any way or just, you know, repay for, for you dropping all these bombs on us. <laughs> yeah. If, if, you know, I'd love, obviously I'd love reaching more people and the, the larger and more people who have been benefited by something that always helps me. You never know what kind of opportunities that's going to have had some crazy random connections that have led to some really neat things. So you've got friends getting into the biz or thinking about real estate would love to, you know, send them over and, check out some of the videos and, and just keep growing that. If I um, have a pretty consistent growing stable of private investors. And if you decide that, you know, real estate investing is amazing, but don't have the time, energy, whatever, don't live, eat, breathe, sleep, just like some of us do, then I've got a, I've got a great investment plan and, and work with private investors all the time. So I have, an, have a list that gets all my deals and, and people invest with me. So that's always a lot of fun. I love, love building that as well. Oh yeah. Do you have um, any courses or books or any anything that um, that people could kind of check out more of your stuff besides your free content out there? Yeah, join the email list. I've I've got a number of things definitely in the works that I'm really excited about. Um, good, good. So 2018, hopefully get get some more stuff out there and. Yeah. Um, but until then, lots of good free videos. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're doing the whole Gary V. Just give, 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 and then, and then eventually, um, you know, it, it's going to be a no-brainer with all the value that you're giving. So, um, yeah, man. Thank you so much. You know, yeah. you are somebody that I look up to, and I'm just super excited to to see your progress, man. You're you're killing it. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate. It. Thanks for having me on. Of course, brother. So, um, all right, guys. Well, thank you all so much for watching. Please, please uh, share this, like this, leave a comment, review, uh, share it to all your friends, family that are interested in real estate investing. 
once again, my name is Brandon Elliott, your host, and uh, this has been Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing. You can reach me at um, brandonelliottinvestments.com or my email at uh, brandonelliottinvestments at gmail.com. Till next time, guys, this has been uh, Brandon Elliott and Mr. Chris uh, Gill. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, guys. See y'all. All right. See you next time. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.